This time on the Roll Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. And I'm hearing the stories. These women with nurses whose families never, for the most part, not every single one, but I'm telling you, there was so many more than I ever expected to see. And the things I never heard, they never told their families that they were in Vietnam. Yeah, they never said anything about being there. They were, I don't, I don't want to use the put words in anybody's mouth. I, I can't say they were ashamed of it. They were just afraid because of all how horribly we were treated, the terrible criticism. They, and they, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't tell people. Trousers and motorcycle boots And a black leather jacket with his name on the back He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Ride Radio His name is New York Mike And welcome to the show This is Roll Right Radio I'm New York Mike Hi, it's Roll Right Radio And I'm New York Mike And you're rolling right You know Roll Right Radio is roll right That's what we do, we roll to the right We roll, baby Because I'm a biker <laughs> And I, I love to roll on, man. And we roll to the right. Conservative, the right side of things. It doesn't mean we're crazy right wing. Is I don't know where the wing thing came in. But we, we're certainly, what, what's right about America? We talk about what's right about a country founded in a belief in our creator. And that's so important today. Veterans Day is coming up. Now, tomorrow is the Marine Corps birthday. and <laughs> I love my Marines, man. I love the United States Marine Corps. These guys are great. They really are. I love how they celebrate their heritage. That's whole Semper Fi. It's something that people need to look up and respect. And I love Veterans Day. I'm a veteran. I love my fellow veterans. I love the fact that we all put it on the line for America. When I was in, there was still a draft going on. I joined. I was always going to join <laughs> since I'm a little kid. I always wanted to be a paratrooper. My buddies were all going to be Marines. And, and that was something that was just part of me. I'm not going to go all kind of speculating on reasons why and everything else. I always say it's because I lived in Coney Island. You see the parachute jump. <laughs> it was just cool, man. It was what I thought was the epitome of the fighting. And you learn later on in life, there, there is no tip of the spear. You need the whole thing, man. You need every bit of it. You need everyone. And as we come into Veterans Day, I'm an Air Force veteran. People say this and that about the Air Force. It puzzles me. I used to look at pilots that got into the seats of back of my day. It was the F-4s or the 105s or the F-100s. Today, it's the F-15s, F-16s, f 22s, 35. I can't even imagine what it's like to pilot one of them babies. Now, look, I brought in airstrikes and I was close, close as anybody can get to, <laughs> to being that in the wake. I often tell people when they ask me about what it was like flying in a little 01 bird dog, what a way, it wasn't as much as my Harley. <laughs> and you bring in an airstrike, you got a couple of, let's call it F4Cs. And then they're, they're flying at five, 6,000 feet. You bring them down, you mark the target. Now, I'm 1,000 feet over the target with a white phosphorus rocket. We mark the target. Then 
This guy comes in, <laughs> we have to get out of the way. Now, it's one thing with an F4, and they want, try it with a 105. Wow, thunder thud, baby. They don't call it that for nothing. And those guys are up there at 10,000 feet. You got to bring them down, and then you got to get out of the way. And it's like a canoe trying to get out of the wake of the Queen Mary. That's what you feel like. You're just bobbing and twisting and turning and everything else. So whenever it is, the Coast Guard, for crying out loud, the Coast Guard, the interdictions those guys made in the battle against drugs and drug trafficking in America, I mean, the Merchant Marines, there isn't a service in this country that you can be a part of that isn't just worthy of the best that America has. Let's talk about this country for a minute. Veterans Day is a big day in America. It's, maybe it's not as big as it should be. Every holiday that celebrates veterans, certainly Memorial Day, and talk about everyone that sacrificed on Memorial Day, we memorialize those who gave their lives. And I, I'm not ever going to slow down on that. I'm never ever going to let my foot off the gas when it comes to doing everything I can to bring every veteran and everybody else that wants to appreciate and celebrate veterans to Washington, D.C., the Gold Star families, celebrate them, appreciate them, let them know how much we as a country appreciate the sacrifice that they make every day. But Veterans Day has a different flavor. The reason it's November 11th, that's the day that the armistice was signed to end World War I. And it was the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month that was signed. It used to be called Armistice Day. And then it became Veterans Day. So remember something. It's important to understand a concept. And I think people need to hear. This country was founded, founded in war. We were born fighting. I always say that we were born fighting for our lives, for our existence. And you think about the veterans you've seen, we've all seen Valley Forge and what they went through, the cold, freezing winters, the starving, the hungry, everything that they went through. And the war itself. Imagine back in 1775 and 76, what it was like, just a wound. You would die in agony because of the lack of medicine, the lack of painkillers, the lack of morphine, the lack of everything. Imagine the pain, the suffering, what these veterans put themselves through. The ones that didn't die, it was painful, it was horrible. So they go through all that. You know, the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, people don't talk about it enough. That's why the British burnt down the White House. I've been to the White House many times. And when I do those tours that they take you on, when I go through with people that haven't been to the White House before, I you know, usually take one of those tours, and they always show you burnt sections that are still there from that time when the British burnt the White House. That was 1812. We fought the Civil War. was a horrible war. Horrible. The Indian Wars that we fought to settle the West, what the veteran went through, and then World War I. Oh, my God, that doesn't include the Spanish-American War, and there were different conflicts all over the place. And you, you always hear about Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders. And every, everything sounds romantic. But when you think about what it was like in World War I, this trench warfare was horrible. 
It was also horrible. I mean, I don't want to pass over the Civil War as if it wasn't. It was horrible and painful. The lack of medicine, the lack of the ability to care for the wounded, the hurt, and the sick. It was horrible. And this is what these veterans went through. Yeah, we lost. The number that they put out is 620,000 who died in the four years of the Civil War. That's the number they put out. But how many were wounded? How many were crippled? How many were blinded? How many? I mean, just think about the veteran who stepped up and served this country through every war. And, oh, you don't like that I, the Civil War? Let me tell you something. They were all Americans. This country was divided, and they were all Americans. So, you know, whether you're in the North or the South, you're an American. And, yeah, you belong to the Confederacy, you belong to the U.S. It was a civil war, a war between ourselves. And there should be a lesson learned. And I want to tell you, I think about World War I. Think about Korea. The Korean War, oh, my God. They froze conditions of the Korean War. I knew veterans, from obviously, from World War II, but also from Korea. And I fought with those veterans in Vietnam who were also veterans of Korea. Yeah, I was there with the 101st Airborne in Vietnam, and some of those guys would tell me stories, and they were guys with the 555th. Remember, the 555th was the all-black Airborne Division, 555th. And you, you would hear these stories of what it was like. The conditions were horrible. And then the conditions of today's wars. After Korea, Vietnam, Granada, and now Iraq, Afghanistan. What these guys have gone through, the wars, wars are being fought in Africa. Wars are being fought for you, me, for our benefit, for us to survive, for this country, for all of us, by veterans, by people currently serving today and who have been serving. And sometimes we just don't think about it enough. We're not conscious enough about those who serve to remember something. You know how important it is that we have an all-volunteer army. We need a constant flow of those to volunteer. We got recruiters out there from all branches of the service going to high schools and colleges. And it wasn't too long ago, I saw a lot of discussion about how high schools and colleges wouldn't let recruiters in. Now, what's going on with that? We need to fight these wars, and we need to fight them with the bravest and our toughest and our smartest. We need to find the best of us. Well, of course, the best of us always wind up doing that. That's what makes them the best of us. What also makes them unique is nobody understands how horrible and terrible war is like a veteran. Nobody is going to fight harder to keep us out of wars than someone who's been through a war. Nobody. So when you see people running for Congress and they're a veteran, think twice before you don't vote for them. Look, you're going to see someone in your party who's going to be a, a former Navy SEAL or a former Green Beret. We've got a few of those guys in Congress today, thank God. You're going to see those guys, and, and many of us are going to go, yeah, let's go vote for them. Great, that's good. But some of us are going to see some guy who may have been uh, whatever, a soldier somewhere, and, and we say, well, yeah, but he's running for a party. I don't believe it. Look twice. Check it out. See what is 
her agenda is. See where they're coming from. And I, I want to point to Tulsi Gabbard. There's a woman who's a Democrat who is in Congress. I think she may be a lieutenant colonel by now. She's still in the reserve. She fought. She fought in this global war on terror. She's a part of it. And I got to tell you, she quit Congress. She said, this is bullshit. I'm not dealing with this crap. These people are just messed up. This is nothing but partisan politics. And she didn't want any part of it. And she just up and said, that's it. I'm done. Good for her. I don't think she's quite done, though, if you want my opinion. I still see her out there on some of the TV shows and stuff. And, and I, I love to see her because I don't think I've ever voted for a Democrat. But if Tulsi Gabbard was running, I'd have to look real hard. I'd have to find out who she's running against and really like them a lot not to vote for her. Because that's the thing. We say all these things and, hey, I'll never vote for this and I'll vote. Then you have someone like that, a patriot, someone who's been through war and knows what war is like, someone who's going to work hard to make sure that we have the best military money can buy, the best equipment, the best of everything to support our military because it's peace through strength. You got it. If you're the toughest guy on the block, you got a pretty good shot. Ain't too many people going to be out there throwing punches at you. That's the way to handle it. That's what we need to be. And it's a veteran who understands the importance of everybody. Yeah. There's people who's jumping out of airplanes. There's also people packing those chutes. There's also people making those chutes. I've been there, and people say, well, you know, the, the person who's out there on the front lines, you know, you know with the you know, the machine gun, a guy like the, that fighter pilot, that guy that you're bringing in the airstrike. Hey, the most important person is, to me, was the cook. <laughs> yeah, that's right. When I get back, I want some food. I'm tired of being out there. Sea rations. I want that cook, man. Who's more important than a cook? Nobody. <laughs> That's what veterans understand. So when you see a veteran running for office, especially running for Congress, whether the House or the Senate, be grateful for it and understand the defense of this country. Don't sell it short. Don't think that way with the you know, it's the economy, it's COVID, it's gas prices. Yeah, it's all that. It's also foreign affairs. Remember those years and years we had the Soviet Union breathing down our neck and then Russia and all the Russian stuff and everything going on with Russia? I think what Iran is threatening to do and her support of terrorist organizations is scarier than Russia. And I think that China is scarier than all of them. They're bigger, better. They got more people. They got more technology, they got more know-how, they got more of everything. This is looming. These people on the left are talking about climate change. Oh, in a hundred years, it's going to go. Well, let me tell you something. It ain't going to take a hundred years for China to come in and decimate this country in so many ways that you won't even know it. Pretty soon, it'll be press one for English in Chinese, because that's what these people can do. That's what can happen. It's happened throughout history. People talk about climate change. We go back 
and compare those two things. Climate change. The climate has been changing for millions and millions. I don't know how old the earth is, billions of years? It's been changing. It's always changing. And it's always here. The earth hasn't blown up or burnt away or whatever. It, it's still here. If you travel the country from east to west, you could see that the east coast is a lot older than the west coast. The west coast is brown because it's newer. And you go to the east coast with all the trees and it's all green. It's older. It still has mountains. Well, not the Rocky Mountains. It still has mountains. It's older. The west coast, it's newer. But it's all, it's been through it. It's been through all the climate changes, all the seasons of the seven years of feast and seven years of famine. And it's been through the grapes of wrath. Remember, a part of that whole thing back in the 20s and the 30s, when we went through a depression, we also, we went through a drought. Nothing grew. The country went, yeah, well, that happens. Now, of course, if it happened today, They'd say, here would come AOC. Oh, my God, we're, this is climate change. Oh, the climate's ruining. Oh, we need, how about another trillion dollars? Yeah, we want buildings without windows and the crazy things they come up with. But that's their thing about climate change. And this is how they extort money from us. The climate's going to be there. We're going to adapt as it happens. We'll get a little colder. Winters will adapt a little bit. How do you adapt to an enemy out there that has a steady, constant, steady move towards dominating your life? A steady move, unstoppable, seemingly unstoppable, moving in a steady direction to take over and be the dominant force on this whole planet. And that enemy is one who is capable of doing that in the next, what, 10 years, 15 years? It ain't going to be 30 years. It ain't going to be 100 years, that's for sure. It's going to be a lot sooner than that if we allow it to happen. That's where we should be putting our effort into stopping that. Climate change, clean energy, clean water, clean it. We want that. Trillions of dollars? into this stupid Green New Deal stuff that makes absolutely no sense? Put it into the defense of America. We don't want to be taken advantage of the grid. You're going to have something that's going to expose us to the technologies of China, giving them the ability to close down our grid, which was close. You know what? There's a reason for fossil fuel, folks. There's a reason. What is this Defense Department doing today? By the way, it's Veterans Day. Yeah, in two days, it's Veterans Day. Think about it. Because, oh, just because a person's a veteran, by the way, doesn't make them a saint. Take a look at the people who are running the Pentagon today. Take a look at what happened in Afghanistan today. It's Veterans Day. We lost 13. What, 11, 12 Marines, a sailor, a corpsman, and an army, a soldier? They're all soldiers. We lost them needlessly because of poor leadership. A lot of people compared what happened in Saigon in 1975 to what happened in Afghanistan. 
2021. I th- there are some comparisons there. I get it. But like I said then, and I'll say now, I was devastated. I, I hated it. I, the whole process from when I got out watching how this country, forget about how they treated me and my fellow vets. We were able to handle it. It's how they treated what we were trying to accomplish, those people in South Vietnam, how they treated the effort that we made. Whether you want to stopping that domino theory, how country after country would fall to communism, stopping that that was the effort, which is those of us who served there. And not all of us had the same experience, don't get me wrong. But if you met with South Vietnamese people, if you understand a little bit of what was going on and you felt for them, and you felt for people who were being taken over by the communist regime in North, in North Vietnam, and you wanted to save those people. And so we watched that. But I never thought, oh, my God, now they're going to come over here. Now, oh, my God. No, we never thought that. Yeah, we didn't want to see the expansion of communism. I get it. But we never gave that kind of credibility anyway. I don't want to get into the politics of why Kennedy started Vietnam or whether it was, people say, well, it was Eisenhower. Well, it was Kennedy. And <laughs> I don't want to get into that. I'm just a soldier. I fought in the war and I was terribly disappointed, horribly disappointed in my country and how we treated that war and how we ended that war. But again, never saying, oh my God, what did we do? Now we've exposed ourselves to terrorism? No. That's the difference. That's what happened in Afghanistan. That's why I said, well, I made speeches at Rolling Thunder many times. And I remember talking, even before Trump was the candidate, talk about the importance of not just, not just a, a president, but the commander-in-chief. Well, that was when Obama was president. And I, I, this guy, he has no clue. Now, don't get me wrong, he's not nearly as bad as Biden. <laughs> Biden is so much worse. Anyway, but I always pointed to the fact that people don't realize you're voting not just for a president of the United States to talk about these, you know, local issues, economic issues. These are all important. But the commander-in-chief of our armed forces, I just wanted people to understand how important that was. And now we've seen it. Look what happened after a 20-year war. But by the way, we held off the terrorists. We did what we were supposed to do. The military performed its function and did an amazing, great job for 20 years. It was never easy. The terrible place that Afghanistan is, and it's not even a country, it's a thousand tribes. It's one that is trying to understand it. It's like herding cats to try to figure out how to get them together. And you get the one guy who says he's going to be president. Well, of what and how? And where's their leadership? And well, what an amazing job our military did for 20 years. And we said, okay, we're getting out. Now, I know there was a plan because I talked to Cash Patel, who was the chief of staff of the SECDEF, the Secretary of Defense under Trump. And I've had him on here. We've talked about what the plan was. It was keeping Bagram Air Base. It was making sure all the civilians that we wanted to get out, all the other conditions were met before we brought our military out. And what did Biden do? Turned it around. Just took our military out. Set a specific date. Didn't set conditions about, you know, that we'd leave under these conditions. 
He said it did. He said that's it. And he, he lived up to that. Yeah. August 31st, we're going to be under no matter what. Well, no matter what wasn't the right answer. No matter what was the lives of 13 American service members. No matter what was thousands of Afghan allies we, who we left behind at the mercy of the Taliban. No matter what was what looks now to be about 450 Americans left behind. No matter what was the wrong answer. Look at the, the Pentagon. How do we judge these generals who are running the show? They're spending more time being concerned about what white rage, as, as General Miley said. Oh, I got to learn more about white rage. What are you talking about? Where did this come from? We're at war. No, thank God it's not a shooting war. No, it's, it's, thank God. But we are at war. And I don't know. I don't want to say we're losing. We maybe we're winning. We want to keep winning. We got to stay. We got to stay at least a step ahead. I'd like to say more than a step ahead. I'd like to be a full furlong ahead, a whole ball field ahead. Let's make sure we're always ahead of our enemy. But are we sure about that today? After the debacle in Afghanistan, it's Veterans Day. Think about these things. Think about the people serving us today and who they're serving under. They're serving under a commander-in-chief. He's just the most incompetent. He's just vapid. He has no concept of what he's doing or what the world is like. The leadership that we don't have and that we need. The weak military leadership. Talking about white rage. A, A divided nation where they're talking about CRT and gender issues in the military? That's right. They're talking about mandate issues. They're going to let people go, people serving, people, leaders who've been in there serving for seven, eight years, 10, 12 years, 15 years, 19 years. They're going to say, okay, you're out. Now, I've heard recently instead of a BCD, a bad conduct discharge or a dishonorable discharge, they're going to give them a medical discharge will allow those who've earned their, their pensions to get them. Okay, fine. That's a little better. But I got a feeling it's not going to be that clean. But that shouldn't even be a concern. I don't understand. What's this mandate thing? How do you mandate? You got a bunch of Navy SEALs. You got a bunch of Air Force pilots. You got a bunch of, I mean, from every, Marines. You got every branch of service has, I don't know how, what the numbers are, but there are a lot of numbers who just refuse to get vaccinated. And each and every one of them has a good, valid reason. It's their own health. And then people said, no, you're mandated if you don't get, I don't know. I got a lot of shots when I traveled overseas. I got shots. I guess if I refused the shot, I wouldn't get the assignment. No one ever told me they're going to get any kind of bid or even medical discharge because I wouldn't take a shot. It was never a threat. Nobody was ever threatened with this ominous, you know, kind of a thing of, 
Well, if you don't, you're going to lose your job. If you're a cop or a firefighter, you're going to lose your job. If you're in the Navy, the Army, the Air Force, the Marines, you're going to lose your job. No one ever said that. This is what's going on. People are serving the country, and you want people to step up and keep on serving. You better treat those people better. You got to treat those people with respect. When I was a kid, I always knew that you're in the military, you can be respected. Why? Because my dad was in World War II, and people in the military were respected, looked up to. Veterans Day, Memorial Day, the parade, July 4th parades in Coney Island. My dad used to bring me down to Coney Island, line the streets, man, of Surf Avenue, both sides of the streets, that parade, I can still see it. It was great. It was amazing. The tanks, the infantrymen, just the marches. I mean, it was exciting. It was something else. America was proud of its soldiers. And hey, you know what? I'm not one of these guys that agreed with Trump when he said he wanted to have a parade in Washington. Why not? Because I'm a veteran. And what do I hate more than a parade? I don't know. <laughs> I hated those parades. The white glove inspections you had to go through. You had to get all pressed and dressed and everything else. And oh, my God. Of all the training and everything else that you go through, the last thing I want to do is pray. But, you know, it, it's still a wonderful sight to see. It's inspirational. And in today's world, a, a lot of the people that join the military, most of the people that join the military, join it for a career. Now, the thing to do was go in the Army for three years, the Marine Corps, the Air Force for four years. I think the Navy was four years also. So you go in, you do your time, you come out, you're a veteran. Today, it's much more geared towards a career, and, and it's a good thing. I mean, we didn't have a lot of people when I was in who were married, and we see the issues with that because of all the deployments, the TDYs, TDYs, temporary duty. I, got, I, had, a lot of, I had a lot of TDYs. And today, those TDYs are deployments sent overseas. Now, maybe that's going to slow down a little bit now that we've gotten out of Afghanistan. But I got to tell you, but it's, the, it's that veteran who understands the importance of not going to war around the world. I, I hear a lot because we're so divided. We're so divided in this country. People talk about, oh, yeah, we're going to, if they don't get this, or we're going to do, we're going to, you know, we'll bomb this and we'll do that and we'll put, there's going to be a civil war. Don't throw those things around like that. Don't talk about things like that. It's the last thing you want. It's not even something, it's, it's, it's a horrible thought. But the more people you have who've served in the military, the less chance that something like that could happen. And forget about that insurrection at the Congress on January 6th. That was a protest rally gone bad. Period. I was there. That was a protest. That's why we were there. I traveled from San Diego to Washington, D.C. to be in Lips Park on January 6th to let people know how strongly I felt about this election, that it was stolen. Don't tell me Joe Biden got legitimately elected. He's elected. He's depressed. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't legitimate. You can't prove it to me. But what, what, I don't have the right to say that. They call it a big lie. No, you're the big lie. 
The big lie is that the guy got 81 million votes. That's a laughable lie. And it just, it didn't happen. Okay. Period. The end. But I'm not going to go and attack my own country. It's not going to happen. Okay. We're going to protest. We're going to go to rallies. We're going to do what we got to do. God knows that's what we're going to do. That's America born fighting, but letting you know how we feel, but letting you know that we're coming after you. We're coming after you with a boat. We're coming after you to get you out. We're coming after you like we went after Terry McAuliffe in Virginia and got Glenn Youngkin elected. That's how we're coming after you, baby. We're coming after you the good old American way with that vote. And only... <laughs> I don't know who's throwing this thing around. That guy Swalwell, remember? Oh, we're going to go nuclear. That's stupid. What a stupid asshole. Eric Swalwell. Yeah, congressman from California with his jerky remarks. You don't say things like that, especially if you're in Congress. Of course, he also had an affair for years with a Chinese spy. They don't even throw him off the freaking intelligence committee. This guy doesn't have an ounce of intelligence. How intelligent can it be if you're in Congress and you have an affair with a Chinese spy for years and years? What, are you kidding me? Fang, fang. Yeah, Eric, bang, fang, fang. No, it's not funny. It's tragedy that this is what's being allowed, but that's what's going on with this administration, which is why we've got to change it. We've got to make it happen for our veterans. Veterans are there for us. Listen, I got some veterans' stories, some really good stuff. And I, I was listening to Pete Hegster today. He was on Fox. Pete was president of the Iraq-Afghan veterans. He's doing a Veterans Day special, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. And he was talking about it, and I was thinking about how Veterans Day, when I was on the East Coast, I went to Washington every Veterans Day. Veterans Day of 1993, one of the most important Veterans Days ever been a part of. It was the day they dedicated the Women's Memorial. Now, Diane Carlson Evans was an Army nurse in Vietnam, and I met Diane at the dedication of the wall in 1982. And that wall was dedicated. It was a big day. A lot of great things happened. And I remember Diane doing what she could to raise the consciousness of why we need a monument to the women who served. And over the years, year after year after that, going there for every Veterans Day and Memorial Day, Diane was always there. And there was always events. There were dances put on, and there was this and that. I mean, there was always something, and there was always Diane raising the conscience of America. And she did for that woman's memorial, the woman's monument, what Jan Scruggs did for the wall. And that monument, the woman's statue, was designed and built by Glenna Goodacre. It was carried from August until it got here in November for that Veterans Day by the Navajo Indians. And I, I, I remember the tribal leader Milton Chi was president of the Navajo Indian tribe, and it was, he led that, that caravan. However, they got the statue from New Mexico to Washington, D.C., 
and it took a while. And it's, if you haven't been to Washington, to that mall with all you know the monuments, the Vietnam Veterans Wall, and then the World War II Memorial on the on the other side, the Korean Memorial, and the Woman's Monument, and of course you know, the flag with the three soldiers, which is really part of the Vietnam Veterans Wall, even if it's separate, it's still part. So they dedicated it on Veterans Day of 1993, and of course I went. It was important because I was going anyway. And it was, it was wonderful that they were getting this recognition, this monument that they've been working all these years together. I look around, and there's just, it seemed like thousands. The place was packed. I mean, Veterans Day was pretty busy at the mall. And there's thousands of women out there, and it's like, and and I'm being introduced to this one and that one, and, and I'm hearing the stories. These women with nurses whose families never, for the most part, not every single one, but I'm telling you, there was so many more than I ever expected to see. And there's things I never heard. They never told their families that they were in Vietnam. Yeah, they never said anything about being there. They were... I don't, I don't want to use the put words in anybody's mouth. I, I can't say they were ashamed of it. They were just afraid because of all how horribly we were treated, the terrible criticism. They, and they, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't tell people. So many of them never said a word about being in Vietnam. I was shocked. And then you know, the day goes on and you get to see people and you hear their stories and, and they're talking with each other and comparing stories and tears are flowing. Tears are flowing. Just friends seeing each other who hadn't seen each other in maybe 20 or 30 years. But, but you know, these gals knew each other. I don't remember any of the men who were nurses. I don't remember meeting them. I was just blown away by these amazing women and their stories and the books that were written. Some of them handed to me right there by the authors. And some of the, the stories of how they, these young soldiers, and they were only 18, 19, 20 years old themselves. They weren't much older than we were, maybe 25. I don't know what the average age was. My guess would be under 25. And they're there holding these soldiers taking their last breath, 19, 20-year-old soldiers taking their last breath. The stories were just heartbreaking, amazing. And at the same time, inspirational. And being there and being a part of that day, that Veterans Day, is something I'll never, ever forget. And then we turned around and on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, I, I don't know what time, maybe it was one, two in the afternoon, Crystal Gale, the country single Crystal Gale, was up on the steps and she sang. And it was just one, just emotional, amazing Veterans Day that I'll never, ever forget. When the sun went down, they blessed the statue. The dedication service was there. There was a Medal of Honor recipient named Sammy Davis. There were several, obviously. In wonderful speeches, including by Diane Evans. But the medicine man 
from the Navajo Indians who carried the statue did his dance. And of course, I'm right up there with Liz, Diane Evans, and me, and whoever else we were around right there up front. It was a, there were just, it was tons and tons of people. So I was very fortunate to be right there at the, at the front of this medicine man, ran around and did this dance. And as he did this dance and he came around, he tapped me on the shoulder with this, what I thought, I thought it was a big, pretty big eagle feather. He tapped me on the shoulder and he goes around and then again, you know, a few minutes later, as he's doing this dance around the statue, he hits me again. And I was like, wow. I thought, I thought that was pretty ominous. And so afterwards, it was quite a night of celebration and emotion. Yeah, those emotions were something else. And afterwards, I decided to walk up the Navajos had pitched their tents just be below the, 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 the Washington Monument, that big grassy area between the Washington Monument and the Vietnam Wall. There was no World War II memorial at that time. So it's, it was probably up near where the grounds are, where, the, where that memorial is today. And they had pitched their tents, and there was quite a few of them, maybe 15 or 20 if I remember right. And I decided to walk up there and I wanted to meet this medicine man who had tapped me on the shoulder twice. And I went up and I, I you know, saw Milton G., the president. Now it's about 10, 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night. And I said, I told him what happened. And I said, I, I want to meet the medicine man and thank him and try to understand a little bit more. I'm one of those guys that I feel very strongly about this whole thing. I'm spiritual, man. What can I say? <laughs> and so I go there and I, I see the medicine. He Brian calls the medicine man over. He comes over and he's like, he looks at me and I go, like, listen, I tell him what happened. And I said, and you touched me with that eagle feather twice. And he looked, he's looking at me and Milton G., the president's looking at me. And the, the medicine man just gives me this look. And he says, it was an eagle's wing. I mean, it was like, you stupid bastard. It wasn't a feather. It was a wing. I'll never forget the moment. Trust me on that one. Boy, I felt stupid. I was appreciative, and I've always been appreciative of that moment. And that was a great Veterans Day. There's been a lot of great Veterans Day, and there will be a lot, many more. I, I hope we'll all be thinking about everyone who serves, everyone out there, what they've been through, especially what happened in Afghanistan, what happened in Kabul, and the position that we've put those who were serving in today, the position that they've been put in without Bagram, without the real capability of having control over Afghanistan, where we fought for 20 years, just walking away and exposing ourselves to where we have. We are more dependent 
on those who serve us today than we've ever been. And they are more capable of serving America today than we ever were. So let's be grateful and thankful and let's celebrate Veterans Day with the appreciation that they deserve. I am New York Mike. This is Roll Right Radio, Veterans Day 2021. God bless America. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.